Please turn with me to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28. We're beginning to read at verse 16. And then we're going to go to the book of Acts, chapter 2. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28. Beginning to read at verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Acts chapter 2, beginning to read at verse 1. Now when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them forked tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Verse 22, same chapter. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the carefully planned intention and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands and have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. It's been a great conference, hasn't it? And uh, the Lord has blessed us in a wonderful way. We were reminded on Friday night by Peter that we were created by Christ. Tim brought to us the wonderful news that we are redeemed by Christ, bought back by Christ. Vinnie urged us to surrender to Christ, to love him and not to wish to go out free. Gerard brought to us Psalm 126, we are sent by Christ. And Hugh this morning encouraged us, urged us to be filled with Christ. And we come to the final chapter in our conference, as it were, the final session 
accompanied by Christ. The seminar that everyone's talking about, or at least to me, has been the one given by Trevor on Billy Graham. And just to uh, remind you there, apparently someone once asked Billy Graham's wife, did you ever feel like divorce? She said, no, 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 of course not. But I did contemplate murder once or twice because he was so often away. I'm sure there's many beach mission wives can buy into that one. But our focus this weekend has been upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And we cannot speak too highly. We cannot think greater thoughts about him. It's not possible. The highest thoughts, the greatest words, it must be for him, the Lord. In, this, in these three verses, the three passages that we've read, three short thoughts, a wonderful promise, lo, I am with you always. An amazing fulfilment in Acts chapter 2. And then a glorious result as the gospel was preached and 3,000 were saved. Please turn back with me to Matthew chapter 28, beginning with that verse, that phrase. The first word means we have to take notice. Jesus says, Lo, or behold, Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. This is something that the Saviour wants us all to take note of. Something for us to notice. Who said it? Well, spoken by the King himself. The emphasis is on the word I. Lo, I myself am with you always. When did he say it? He's just come fresh from the battlefield. He's conquered sin. He's defeated Satan. He's paid for our sins with his own blood on the cross. And he's come out of the tomb a victorious, conquering, risen saviour. And he appears to those disciples on that mountain in Galilee. Lo, I am with you always. When did he say it? Well, it was just after he'd given the Great Commission. On my first beach mission, I can still remember the teen times by the leader who's now with the Lord. And he told us that when Jesus, there's five times in the scripture where Jesus appears to the disciples after the resurrection. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John and Acts. What does he say on all those five occasions? One theme is common, that they are to go and tell this message of a risen, conquering saviour to the whole world. No one is to be excluded. No one is to be missed out. No nation is to be avoided. And so in the context of world evangelization, he is with us. When you stand alone in work, trying to give a testimony, handing out a tract, at the open air, some other situation, Remember this verse, lo, I am with you always.
In the verses before, there are four alls. Look at them with me, please. Verse 18. Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now, only God could say these words. All power in heaven and on earth. We have an omnipotent, all-powerful Saviour. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. He commands us to go into all nations. There's a Bible college called All Nations. It's a good name for a Bible college. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. His vision is worldwide. Before him are eleven men, some of whom doubted till Jesus came and spoke to them. But his vision is a conquered world with the gospel. And today, it has been fulfilled. There are more Christians alive today than there has ever been at any time in history. You cannot get on a plane or take a boat to any country and not find a Christian there. The gospel has penetrated all the nations. There are many who haven't heard. But this promise to take the gospel to all nations, even North Korea, where Christians will be killed today for their faith in Christ. The gospel is unstoppable. The king is a conquering king. All nations. And he tells us that we must teach them all things. Teaching them to observe all things. Was this mountain the same mountain on which he gave the Sermon on the Mount? And he opened his mouth and taught them those wonderful things in those first chapters in the book of Matthew? It was a mountain in Galilee. And Jesus wants all the things that he's taught his disciples to be taught worldwide. And a practical application of this, can I encourage you once again, there's been many encouragements, but if you live near a Young Life branch, do you know the three aims of Young Life? To reach, but not only to reach, to teach, because Jesus said we must teach and then to train, to get alongside and show others how it can be done. And Jesus says we must make disciples of all nations. Maybe you've still got time to roll up, join up rather, for the invest scheme. If you're a younger person, let me encourage you to seek to be discipled yourself. And then to seek to disciple others. I was challenged by the life story of Dawson Trotman. Do you know who he is? Founder of the Navigators. He had this vision. That if he was to, in the next year, win one person to Christ. And the following year, each of them were to win one person for Christ. And the next year, each of those four would win one person for Christ. 
Do you know how long it would be before every person in the world was saved? You can do the maths. Less than a generation. Less than 40 years. And everybody will be saved. That was Dawson's challenge to us. That we each could win one. Could you pray for one person? Could you think of someone now that the Lord might lay on your heart that you might prayerfully bring to him and seek to win that person in the next year for the Lord Jesus Christ? Pray to him. Lord, I'm trying to obey your commission to make disciples. Please show me someone I can disciple, I can win, and I can disciple for you. And wouldn't that be great if next year the Lord has answered that just with the people in this hall. All things, always, lo, I am with you, always. Vinnie told me the story of a Chinese Christian who was called Lo. He particularly applied this verse to himself. But it's not just for him. It's for all believers. All believers. Lo, I'm with you. All the days is the translation. There's not a day that you wake up, if you're a Christian, that Christ isn't with you. There's not an hour of a day that Christ isn't with you. That's why he can keep you. That's why he can use you. That's why your standing is guaranteed for him. I am with you always. How many Christians are there in the world? Do you ever think about that? Wembley holds about 120,000. Multiply that by 100. And you've got roughly the number of Christians that there are in a medium-sized country. If you have 5 million Christians, that's how many roughly in the UK. Multiply that by 10. So that's 1,000 Wembleys. And you've got the number of Christians in China or Southeast Asia. Multiply it by another five and you've got the number of Christians perhaps alive on the planet. 500 million, maybe. Christ is with every one of those Christians. He promised that it would be that way. That means he is not only all-powerful, he is all-present. He's omnipresent. Remember what the Lord said about his sheep? I know my sheep. He knows all the names here. He knows all the names of the Christians in the UK. He knows all the names of the Christians alive today. And all the way back through history and all the way forward. He is all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He's all-present. He's all-knowing. And how long is this going to be for? I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Tells us two things. The age in which we live will one day come to an end. 
The age in which you live is not our final destination. We shall see his lovely face one bright golden morning. Oh, that will be glory for me. If being a Christian is that good here, friends, what will it be like there? And it tells us this. The age in which we live will one day be brought to a close by that same Lord Jesus who went up to heaven, coming back down to earth. And the Bible says, every eye shall see him at that point. He will be with us till the end of the age because he is eternal. We have an all-powerful, all-present, all-knowing, all-loving, he knows his sheep, eternal, sovereign saviour. He will never leave you and he will never forsake you. And when you evangelise, he is right there with you. You are accompanied by Christ. How is it possible? Turn over with me to Acts chapter 2. That is a wonderful promise. We've seen we have a wonderful promise. But the fulfilment of it was not seen until Acts chapter 2. And I think the fulfilment of it was beyond the minds of the disciples when he gave them the promise until some days later, perhaps 20 days later or so. Uh, Jesus had gone back to heaven the day of ascension. He's taken our humanity, a human body, to the very throne of deity. He ascended on high and he poured out his Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And his deity comes down to live in our human bodies. Every believer to have the Holy Spirit of God living right inside their bodies. When the day of Pentecost had come, what day was that? That was the day on which the law was given on Sinai. The day of Pentecost had fully come. It was a Sunday, the first day of a week. That's why we keep Sunday holy. Jesus Christ rose from the grave on the first Lord's day and the Holy Spirit came down from heaven 50 days afterwards. The day of Pentecost had fully come. They were all 120 men and women in one place. And suddenly there's a sound that fills the whole house. It's the sound of a rushing, mighty wind. And where everyone is sitting, the Holy Spirit comes as if tongues of fire upon each of the men and women. And they are filled 
with the Holy Spirit of God and they begin to speak as the Spirit enables them. Solomon built a temple. When he built the temple, it was a magnificent affair. It took him seven years. The richest man on earth, the wisest man on earth, he built a temple. And when he had built a temple, he prepared a sacrifice. And when he had finished praying, the Bible says, the heavens were opened and God's fire came down upon that sacrifice and consumed it. And the temple was filled with the glory of God as God took possession, the only place on earth where the Spirit of God was located in one place, the temple at Jerusalem. That's why the Jews would turn there to pray. That's why Daniel prayed towards the temple. But now, the Holy Spirit of God has come down, the fire and the glory, and has filled the church, men and women filled with God and each of them becomes a living temple Jesus said to the disciples it is expedient for you that I go away so that the comforter will come Jesus said to the disciples my father and I we will come to you and this is what happened the triune God Father Son, Holy Spirit, three persons in one glorious being took up residence in human hearts. Men and women like you and I. What an amazing fulfillment. Lo, I am with you always. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God the Father, living in every believer in him. What was the glorious result? Verse 4. The Spirit gave them utterance. As soon as they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they began to speak about Christ. They were all able to have utterance, the ability to tell others about the Lord. But especially the preacher amongst them, Peter, the spokesman, stood up. Men of Israel, verse 22, hear these words. And he begins to speak about Jesus. His miracles, his wonders, his signs, his death on the cross, his resurrection from the grave, and his raising up to heaven. And Jesus preaches, Peter preaches Jesus Christ crucified. And the glorious result, 3,000 people that day become Christians. The church is born. Do you know the great thing, folks, today? There are Christians all over the world. And today, on this Lord's Day, towards the end of the age, there will be another 3,000 people who will have put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ through the preaching of the gospel and through the witness of his people worldwide. And folks, we are a part of that glorious community who have Christ living within us and the command to go 
into all the world and take this message to its farthest corners. About a hundred years ago, a famous explorer crossed the Arctic called Ernest Shackleton. He originally went there with Captain Scott in the 1901 expedition, but he was sent home because he wasn't thought tough enough. He went back, and during the next ten years, he managed to do great things across the Antarctic with different men. He became famous. He was knighted by the king. But there was one last task that was unfinished. And that was to cross the Antarctic from sea to sea. The last great unfinished task of exploration. In 1914, it is said he put this notice in a London newspaper. Men wanted for hazardous journey Small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, constant danger, safe return, doubtful, honour and recognition in case of success. 5,000 men volunteered. And the reason was because his name was at the bottom of the advert, Sir Ernest Shackleton. They knew and they'd heard not only about his bravery, but how he cared for his men. He accompanied them in every danger, in every challenge, in all that they faced. He was right there with them. And 56 men were chosen to fulfil that exhibition, that expedition. We too have a task that is unfinished. We too are called by Christ to face might be danger, might be difficulty, might be hardship, might be, dif- might be problems, but he is right there with us and he commands us to go into all the world and take the gospel to every creature.